Hello, and welcome to Horror Movies and Shit. I'm your host, Jim, and with me as always is... Mark! Hi, Mark. How are you today? Oh, I'm just wonderful, Jim. How are you? I, I don't believe a word you just said, but I'm just fine. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Jim, who, yeah, who do we have on with us this week? We have one of my favorite audiobook narrators in the world. Ooh. Do you know who it is, Mark? Scott Brick. No, no. no. <laughs> that's, only if, that's only if we're talking about Pendergast. Um, no, this is uh, this is Joe Hempel. Yeah. Hi, Joe. Hey, Joe. everybody. How, how's everybody doing today? I, I actually think... have a... It's, you mentioned Scott Brick, and I have a funny story about that. <laughs> Somebody had reviewed one of the books I did, and mm-hmm. the review, which ended up becoming a, um, a profile picture of mine on Facebook on a tombstone that was like... It said the narrator was adequate, but he was no Scott Brick. <laughs> oh, <laughs> now, oh, that's funny. Now that's that, that's necessarily a big diss, though, because Scott Brick is very good. However, I did find out that he's not great at everything. So uh, he was doing a Scottish accent in a book that I was listening to, and it was not good. <laughs> but apart from that, yeah, Scott Brick's great. So, um, Joe, I reached out to you on Facebook um, because you have a new venture going, right? Yes. Um, I not only narrate, but I do have, um, but decided that mm-hmm. 24 hours in a day was a lie and started publishing and producing. I've always been curious, as a narrator of audiobooks, how do you or do you get to choose what books you do? Yes, I I can refuse any book that I want, um, and I don't do that very frequently though. Um, so I run the gamut. You know, I I do romance, I do horror, I do you know nonfiction, mm-hmm. thriller, pop culture, you know, uh, different things like that, comedy. So generally, a producer for one of the bigger companies will reach out and say, hey, Joe, would you like to audition for this? And I'll audition for it. Or they'll say, hey, Joe, we have these books for you. Do you want them? Oh, wow. There's an actual audition process. What does that audition process look like? Uh, They give me about three pages um, of of the script. And I record it for them. And then they send it off to whoever makes the decisions, be it the rights holder or, you know, somebody else. And so you said you don't turn down a whole lot of work. Is there like a line in the sand as to what you will and will not read? Like, how, how do you make that decision? Um, do you just read the book and if you don't enjoy it, you don't do it? How, how does that no, work? No. Um, I generally will record everything. The, the only times that I will have an issue with things is um, there is like rape for the sake of of rape um like it doesn't advance the story and they it's not necessarily considered a bad thing in the book um so like any type of weird kind of rape or sexual assault or anything like that that is not moving the story forward and not inherent to the characters or anything like that um or if there's really any kind of um, 
animal abuse, you know, just any any of the worst things that you can think of that don't move the full the don't move the story forward. Like if it just seems like the author is there to, you know, write that because they have a sick sense of of pleasure regarding that. Um, I, you know, I won't name anything or any names of books right now, but you know, something snuck up on me on a recent book. Yeah, there is that subgenre, right, of like extreme horror or extreme writing, which you probably once you read one person's um, story, you're probably like, yeah, I probably don't want to cover him in the future, right? Because that's their genre. Yes, and it um, is what it is. Although, yeah, it it is, and it is what it is. Um, I myself don't mind extreme horror uh, or splatterpunk. Um, I think those things are just fine for the most part um they are gross <laughs> um but yep. that's yeah but that's, that's by design, design right that's that's by design like going back to the book yeah. that that i had just recorded like the characters were having fun assaulting this girl and there was there's no need for it in the story because it's a it's a futuristic fantasy sci-fi and they're, like the entire the entire book, the character is just over sexualizing women for no reason. It was just okay. This is this, this you could tell that was definitely the author and not the character. <laughs> is there a specific genre? Because you, you like you said you you do everything. You do romance, fantasy, um, horror. Is do you have a favorite genre that you that you enjoy doing the most? Horror. Uh, hands down horror tend to connect with the audience the most with with horror and i tend mm -hmm. to just have a grasp for what the author's voice is and what they're trying to say i just wanted to throw in there and tell me if i'm cutting out or anything so we know who it is <laughs> um so i recognize your name because you narrated one of my favorite horror novels and oh. um Looking in Audible, it looks like you've done over like 500, whether it's just your own narration or as part of a cast, right? Um, but I think this was maybe my, whenever I first got into audiobooks, it was probably the second or third one that I picked up. And um, I'd already watched the movie and I had read the book before and I love it. And it's um, Legion, oh, uh, The Exorcist 3. That that actually is uh I'm very happy to hear that. That's one of the books that um it was either gonna be people are going to hate the performance or they're going to like it. Um and so I'm I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. And it may you know, it it's so you know it's not strange, right? Because it, it's a different media from reading, right? Mm -hmm. Because you have the performance of the narrator and the narrator in a book has to play all the parts. Right. So it's probably more difficult than being acting or being in a play, et cetera. Um, so as I was saying, as a narrator, you have to be the full cast, right. Um, over and above just actual narration of uh, the non cast yeah. parts and it can really make or break a book. Even if I like a book, if the narrator is bad, I, I can't listen to it. 
Um, but on, yeah. on the other side, right? Um, if a, if there's a book where it's so, I'll give an example of um, Stephen Weber who read it by Stephen King. It is a good book, but there's long parts of that book that aren't very interesting to me. Um, but his narration really like drives it forward, right? So uh, it, it's weird that you can get like the, if the material isn't great or it's something which you know you're kind of so-so about. If you get a great narrator, you can go through that. And you know sometimes books get a lot better. You know uh, the more you listen to them. Um, so I think it's such an important talent and skill um, to really engage uh, a listening audience. But I, I have a million questions for you, but my first one, Joe, is how did you even get into narration? <laughs> I think I came into it in one of the most unorthodox ways. Um, I was petty. Hmm. Um, so long before I was an uh, a audiobook narrator, I was a book reviewer. And I, I reviewed books in the horror genre, you know, just all over. Uh, Sci-fi, that sort of thing. And I kind of left a negative review for an audiobook on that old website. This is probably, God, I've been doing this for, this would be my eighth year. So it had to be like nine, ten years ago. And they said, if you think you could do so much mm -hmm. better, why don't you do it? And so I was like, well, I know a lot of authors. Um, let me hit up one. And I think I hit up um, a guy by the name of T. Morris, who used to have podcast novels when, like, way back when those were booming. Um, and they told me of the website ACX and I went to ACX and it was kind of just around their infancy, almost, you know, a few years removed from their infancy. And I started auditioning and, um, you know, I, it was, it was all garbage. You know, I, I had no business being hired, but somehow I got hired <laughs> and from there just started taking, you know, just started building up little by little um taking coaching acting classes things like that because first and foremost this is an acting class like steven weber does a hell of a job for it because he's a good actor um in a suit i got to meet him and talk about audiobooks and his process and it was such a wonderful time um but yeah that's how i got into it i was like oh okay well, well let me give it a shot and here we are. Yeah. Uh, and um, so what is your process for, uh, again, I have a million questions. So what is your process for when you get a project or a book, right? So do you read through it once or multiple times? Do you make notes? Do you look at characters? Do you picture in your head how you're going to voice them? Is there accents? Is, you know, so what's what, like, what is your general process, basically? <laughs> if that's so, not too broad a question. So it's, it's, I can, I can kind of put it in a, into a nutshell. Um, the first thing I do when, yeah, so once I get the book, I will, I will scan through the book. You know, I want to know the main characters. I want to know what they're about. I want to know who is left at the end if it's a horror novel. Um, because I want to know the entire story arc before I begin. Um, that way I can really speak to the truth of the author's text. You know, I, I want to give the audience what 
the author wants. So I'm curious, Joe, how do you how do you keep characters straight when you're performing? Anytime a character speaks, I copy and paste from my digital audio workstation into a new project and I export that and I have a list um, that links to all of those characters up on the screen as well. So if I forget, then it's all right there. Now, that being said, when I cast and do the voices, I have somebody in my head that I'm kind of mimicking them after. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, say the character of Jim. Oh, okay. Well, I know a guy named George that's just like Jim. So I'm going to use, you know, I, I know that character acts and feels and things kind of just like George. So I'll kind of go off of that. But if I ever do forget like a voice or anything like that, especially if they're a fairly new character that are in, that's introduced, um, I can always just click on the file that's up on the window and play that like three or four second clip back. Okay, that's it. And I continue on. Again, million questions. So uh, do you go into a studio to do this or, or is this something you do at home? I have my own studio. That's right. I forget. Mark doesn't do the TikTok yep. thing, so he hasn't seen no, your videos seen yet. It. Sorry. So that's why I've got a million questions, but our audience might too. Um, so, um, so you have a, like a director, right? Or, or, or somebody that oversees your performance. Is that right? Um, I could count on one hand the amount of times I've been directed. Um, I'm usually self-directed. Huh. Yeah, a big part of this job is self-directing and a big part of, I think, being good in this industry is knowing when something's not working while you're doing it and having the ability right. to step back and redo something. I mean, like, okay, that didn't work out, you know, and being able to listen to yourself and be honest with yourself about what's happening. So so do, is your process, okay, you, you've got book x right um and this is what you have to read mm -hmm. and it's a 15 hour long performance right um do you just start from the start go all the way through and then do you go back and listen to any of it or or how does that work no <laughs> no i don't do that um <laughs> no uh i i i read i'll read the book i'll record the book and then I send it off to either the publisher who is going to edit and proof and master and all of that, or I send it off to my own editor or proofer and they'll proof and master it. <laughs> Once I'm done with it, I'd like to listen to my voice as little as possible. I had to hear myself do 15 hours. So I love my voice. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it's sort of like Mark, you know, he, he records this podcast one time and then he'll never hear it again. I will never again. listen to my voice. It's terrible. Um, but um, so, so whenever you're reading it through, is it, is it on like um, an auto scroll sort of thing or is it, how, how does, how does that work? No, actually I, I have a mouse like and I, you're not reading from the, no, no, I, I have, um, I scroll through it. I have a PDF file. Uh, the most I'll mark up, is I'll highlight the chapter and I'll mm. write how many pages the chapter is so I know approximately how long it's going to take me to do said chapter just so I can keep track of my time in the booth. But no, I have a like a 32-inch monitor on my in my studio and I just scroll, I scroll through. 
Um, generally, I don't need to scroll too much because I will mess up every, you know, two or three minutes and have to do a retake and I'll do my scrolling. There. Is there times when you're reading through a book and you're like, I don't know how to pronounce that word. Always. And I have to go look Always. it up. You try to catch those beforehand, but, but always, <laughs> especially in nonfiction. Um, right. I've got two nonfiction titles coming up with uh, loads. The way that people pronounce things sometimes can really bother me. So like I had somebody say yeah. Temp Arizona instead of Tempe. And I was like, oh, God, that hurts. <laughs> I, I, I have a worse one than that, Jim. So I don't, I don't know if I told you, um, like, uh, one of my favorite authors is Graham Masterson. Yes, we've had that conversation. Yeah, uh, and one of the audiobooks, the person narrating it got his name wrong at the start. And they said Graham Masterton. I'm like, oh, so that's, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a no-no. The narrator was actually okay, but, like, whenever you mispronounce the author's name, that's pretty bad. Have you ever had an occasion where you've... You've made a, a mistake that you didn't catch while you were doing it. Oh, always, always. That that's part of the process. Um, I will go. I will read a ten-hour book, and I will think it was amazing. I will leave the booth thinking, "Wow, okay, that was a pretty solid performance." And they'll come back with a hundred error, uh, hundred errors. It's just part of the process. It's like editing a book. When when they come back to you with those notes or errors or whatever, um, do you? you only record a, a subsection of the book. Like you're not starting from scratch, right? Correct. Like if, if I said, um, you know, they went there instead of they went over there. Um, then I, I will only record that sentence. They'll send me a clip of my voice for that particular section. I'll listen to it and I'll match it. And I'll just record that section and the editor will put it in. So what, what is the norm? Well, I guess not normal because I'm sure every, every work is different, but in general, how long does it take you to complete a work from start to finish? Depending, let's, let's go with uh, general regular fiction um, where it's not too complicated. I would say for a 10 hour book, it will take me, let's see, including my prep work you know, six or seven days. Um, wow. I record usually between two and two and a half hours a day during the week when, you know, my wife works. And then when right. she's at home, uh, about an hour every day. So I, I can imagine you, you have quite, quite a, uh, a catalog of work. So I, I can only imagine how much. Okay, I, I have another one of my questions. Sorry, Jim. Um, so Joe, uh, have you ever had to um, come up with a pronunciation um, where there's like no hard or fast rule about maybe the author is passed or something and maybe it was never um, stated exactly how to sound out, say, a character's name. So you just be like, this is what I think. Oh, yeah, I've done that. Absolutely. And as long as you're consistent, you know, mom and them at home don't know. So Because I, I, I know, especially whenever you get kind of into, um, I don't know, Lord of the Rings or whatever it might be, there's people that are very like, this is how you say this specific, you know, elven word, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't know if that's ever yeah. been like said by the author, right? Um, Mark's wondering if you've ever had to invent your own language like Klingon. I can't say I've ever had to invent my own language. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's disappointing. 
So, so far, Joe, in your, in your vast catalog of work, what has been your favorite book to narrate? Not necessarily because of subject matter, but just in general. Oh, wow. Um, that's a tough one. Um, I have so many that I think are really good. Um, mm -hmm. I would say Come With Me by Ronald Malfi is up there. Um, yeah. For it was just the I was in the right headspace at the right time to convey the emotions required for that. Just, you know, I, it, it wasn't a stretch. Um, right. And thankfully, you know, that one's been that that book really has shot my career in the horror genre a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. um, that kind of launched me from being known by a few people to people actually, you know, I'm now in the conversation when people ask, you know, what audiobook should I listen to? So right. it's it's really shot me into more of the mainstream as far as audiobook narrators for horror goes. Um, as far as just pure silliness and joy and the fact that I had to sing um, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, the novelization by Jeff Strand. I, I did not know you did that, and I love Jeff Strand, so I'm going to need to look that up. It's um, it's a, you know, it's a sing-along, so make sure you sing. Um, <laughs> nice. So, <laughs> yeah, I um, the book is just fantastic. It's silly. It's goofy. Um, it's gotten really great reviews. Uh, somehow, the terrible singing voice that I have makes it better. Um, That's fantastic. Because there are about four musical numbers in this thing. Now that is that is fantastic. Now I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to put that on my TVR right now. <laughs> so, uh, Joe, if if you could recommend like five of your performances to our audience, um, you just said you know one or okay. two there. Um, do you have a few? Do you have like a top ten or a top five or? Um, I, I'm not going to ask you about your bottom five. <laughs> so. My bottom five are the first five books I've ever narrated. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I guess it, it must be like an actor, right? I mean, you get paid to perform, right? And there's probably some books where it's like, eh, it's not so good. But, you know, you have to pay the bills, right? Um, but we're not going to go down that path because <laughs> I don't want to like call out anyone. Um, so, so, so maybe, maybe just some of your general favorites, whether it's your performance or um, just how much you enjoyed the book. So I, I have to say, um, come with me by Ronald Malfi, uh, black mouth by Ronald Malfi. Um, I'm writing these down by the way, <laughs> the attack of the killer tomatoes. Yep. Um, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes by Jeff Strand. Um, an older one of mine that still gets pretty good sales um, is Asylum by Ambrose Ibsen, that, that whole series. Um, okay. He is, in, in my opinion, doesn't get enough mainstream talk. Um, he's kind of cozy horror i guess you could say uh it doesn't wrap up into a happy ending or anything like that and and it, it can be quite terrifying um and then uh the rising by brian Keane. people still have, have been still 
picking that up six, seven years later. So I'm assuming people enjoy it since it's still selling like crazy. <laughs> you and, think, and of right? course, Legion. <laughs> Legion is is Legion was so tough. <laughs> believe it or not, it was so tough. Um, you know, I, I to just not make it uh, the movie is, you know, to to make it the movie but not make it the movie kind of thing. You know, I didn't watch it specifically right. until after I did the book because I didn't really want to be as influenced as uh, by the movie for my own performance. Right. So what what would you say was your has been so far your biggest challenge when it comes to narrating audio narrating books? Um. Probably learning to open yourself up and allow you to allow yourself to have the feelings the characters are feeling. Um, you you have to be emotionally available, like to to a high level in my opinion, um, in order to sound authentic. So there, there's been plenty of times that I'll stop because like either I am laughing uncontrollably or I'm sobbing or something like that. Uh, I'm usually sobbing in this podcast, Joe, just because of Jim. But um... <laughs> <laughs> So whenever you do like an insult... <laughs> Uh, I have to. I have to continue before I start breaking down. Um, so, Joe, whenever you're doing like an ensemble piece, right? So there's multiple narrators doing it. Do you just record your own specific character, and then the editor, or whatever, puts it all together? That's that's exactly what happens. Um, it's it's very prominent in in the romance genre where they'll they'll have first person perspective female, first person perspective male. I will read all of the first person perspective male parts. Um, will communicate based off of like how the characters sound. Do you find that that's more difficult to do? Um, it might be the first couple times, but once you get into the flow of things, it's it's not. Um, you share what you think the characters sound like, and whoever's recording first generally just takes the lead on that, and then you go you go through. Um, if it's a collection of stories, we don't really talk about you know we just go and read our story and turn it in <laughs> I, I, can, I can imagine it's almost like an actor working with cgi right so it's just like a tennis ball on a pole <laughs> and hey you know you have to react towards that uh whenever you're just reacting to there's a there's another style of narration called duet and i'm not i haven't done one of those but that is more you are actually in the same session with the narrator sometimes. Um, and then you'll play off of each other, but there are times when you are not and you will absolutely have to basically, you know, do the CGI with the tennis ball thing. You know, you don't know how they're saying it. You only know how your character's reacting to it. That, that definitely sounds like a challenge that I probably could not rise to. Mark? 
Think you could handle that? Easy peasy, Jim. Uh, <laughs> no, because it, it's weird. Whenever you're listening to audiobooks, right, uh, there really are those two different sides, right? It's the one narration all the way through playing all the parts, and then you have the, the other one where it's an ensemble cast, and it's like, I don't know, like Dune or whatever. And I always wondered just how that worked <laughs> with, um, you know, the different performances going off each other. On a, on a production like Dune, I'm sure that they had a director and they were able to, if, if they were, I haven't listened to it, but if it's one person talking and then another person being the other character kind of in the same scene, then I'm sure that um, they kind of are on the same call, so to speak, so they can do something like that. Um, has there ever been a book that you've read that you really wanted to narrate, and then you've reached out to whomever, producers or whatever, and um, you've said, hey, can I narrate this book? All the time. Uh, it's how I got uh, Come With Me by Ronald Malfi. Uh, I just reached out. I, I contacted him and I was like, hey, I'd be interested in narrating this. Uh, how, you know, who, do you have the rights? And he told me who had the rights. And I reached out to my contacts there and said, I would love to be the one to narrate this. And they said, okay. Um, and then the key thing is, you know, once you do that, you have to do a good job. Otherwise they're like, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what did we sign up for? <laughs> yeah. Do you do, do you have the one that got away um where you really wanted to do it but um I've reached out uh, a couple times to some producers uh regarding books that uh they just never responded. So I was kind of like, "Ah, that sucks." I think uh uh, Paul Tremblay has one coming out, um, about, it's like a found footage horror thing. And I'm like, oh, I think I would do oh, horror movie for that horror movie. That's it. And I reached out yeah. to the producers, um, and just nobody responded to me. So I'm like, shit, you know, <laughs> uh, and it comes out Damn it. soon. So I know <laughs> I'm not the one narrating it. <laughs> Uh, I didn't know the audiobook was coming out soon. I know the book is coming out. I'm excited about that. I'm I'm assuming that they're going to have a simultaneous release. Yeah, I, I would imagine also. I'm I'm excited about that. I've I have a love hate relationship with Paul Tremblay. He's got one book that I really really did not like that was made into a movie which I did like, <laughs> and then he's got two other books that I. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but then he's got two other books that I really enjoyed. So I'm really looking forward to horror horror movie. So, Joe, tell us about your new enterprise where you're, where you're... Um, so I'm just, uh, I'm acquiring horror, uh, horror rights and I'm just, I'm producing them. I have, I basically operate like an ACX where I'll pay the, uh, I'll pay the narrators, uh, based off of royalties. They get 50% of the money coming in for the book and then, um, it, it helps, in my opinion, to combat the influx of AI, and it helps authors realize that um, sometimes you don't have to pay an arm and a leg for a great narrator. Um, right. Or if your book maybe isn't selling that great, sometimes 
a new narrator can cut their teeth on your book and it helps grow the industry and right. you basically combat the, the surge of these virtual voices coming in, which are not that good. That Audible has started, not Audible, Amazon has started shoving down the throats of every author. Like, hey, get your free audiobook. And it's like, no, it's terrible. Um, yes. So it's kind of my way to combat AI. Um, I've slowed down a lot on acquiring things only because it's me and me alone and I only have so much time. Um, but we hit, right. we, because we ran out of the gate at lightning speed with like 40 acquisitions. <laughs> Wow. Wow. So we did, um, you know, we have quite a few out. Uh, Fright Night Audio is the publishing company. So if you do a search on Audible for Fright Night Audio, of course, the Fright Night books will come up, which we do not have anything to do with. But um, but you'll see a lot that we do do. You know, if you see the logo on the book, that's the little Cthulhu with the headphones, then that's us. Jim, you're a big Lovecraft fan. Immensely not. No, not so much. Thank you, though. <laughs> so, so Joe, here's here's the thing. Me and me and Jim go to we we we, we mm-hmm. both live in Florida, to like um, horror convention every year. Um, we never see narrators at it. We see authors and everything else. But I would love it if. Um, and I don't know whether it's a thing with mega cons or comic cons or whatever. Um, do you ever have any exposure to? going to conventions yes um i have let's see last year we went to um we didn't have a table there we just kind of walked around and sold ourselves or sold myself um at the the texas author con (laughs) right last year um met a bunch of wonderful people up there um and there's different there's different book conventions mainly it's it's a lot of romance is the ones where they draw the narrators in because narrators have a very big fan base in romance mm-hmm. so you know they'll get to meet their the narrators and the authors and they'll sign stuff um things like that i'd eventually i want to go to stoker con i want to go to scares that care um and just kind of hang out. I'd like to do a panel. I would love to see some of my audio, my favorite yeah. audiobook narrators at, at Spooky. That would be fantastic. Yeah, I, I'm surprised there's not more genre um, appeal for narrators because, again, I see a narrator like I see an actor. Um, and I, I'm, I'm not sure what, maybe it's, maybe it's a niche we need to fill. <laughs> Maybe we need to have narrator con. I think so. You see the actors at horror movie conventions all the time, right? And that's the draw. You see some of the independent authors will be there with their books. Yes. But you never see you never see any of the 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 narrators of the audiobooks. I don't disagree with you on that. So, so Joe, whenever you set up narrator, will do. Will do. Have to give me some credit. I'll do this. Uh, I'll I, I will. If you think about it, I mean, like Comic Con, you have like artists and writers, right? Uh, and people who are penning the the writing, not even doing the writing, and they go to all these different cons, right? And I don't know why there's not more emphasis. Because I, I I will probably think that yep. most people nowadays, I mean, I certainly mm-hmm. do, 
Um, the way I read is through listening. Um, and I would think that that's, you know, I, I just wonder, I don't know if you know, um, how much of, you know, literature is now like book read versus It's gaining traction. From what I understand, audiobooks are the only place in publishing that's had um, double digit growth over like the past five years. Um, and I, I've, I think podcasts are starting to kind of give credence to that and the, the popularity of some podcasts. And I also think it's why some of the shorter titles that I've done are uh, either I've published or produced or narrated are some of the best selling titles that I've ever done uh, because they have, um, you know, they're like bite size. You can sit there, you can listen to them from start to finish in one sitting almost like a podcast. Um, 100% Match by uh, Patrick C. Harrison III is an hour and 15 minutes of pure, disgusting comedy with an amazing ending. See, now, Mark, you, you hear what he said, right? Popular podcast, not us. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's just... Well, it's, it's double for me, right? Because, like, reading takes effort, mm -hmm. and I'm kind of lazy um but also it's a convenience of it right so whenever i'm driving to work it's much easier for me to listen like especially if i'm doing a long drive or if i'm going on a vacation if i can throw a book on it makes it so much easier <laughs> you know right the, the, the hours are just not the same um they're much quicker so oh um yeah narrator con you heard it here first folks no jim's going to put Where's it in it the capital narrator no. con. <laughs> Hey, hang on a second. Hang on a second, Mark. I'm yeah. not the one with the yacht. That would be you. Madison Square Garden, Jim. <laughs> I don't have a yacht. I have a kayak now. We sold, we sold a small boat. <laughs> um, so, uh, Mark, what are the questions do you have for, for Joe? Uh, Joe, I could question you all night, but I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> just about the process and everything else. Um, I really could. Um, but, hey, um, Joe, is there anything you want to talk about, like uh, books or movies or horror? Like, it sounds like you're a big horror fan. Um, so I just kind of uh, want to leave know, it open. You know, I, I do enjoy horror. I do I do subscribe to all the, all the horror streaming things. I'm very easy to please when it comes to horror movies and things like that. So... Uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not too critical on anything creative just because I know how much work goes into it, uh, and can just appreciate the effort, even if it's a, you know, huge steaming pile of donkey crap. Uh, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but no, it's just, just, I think, uh, horror games are where, you know, I think my love is. You know, I'm I'm really excited for some the Silent Hill two remake. Just finished up the latest hour and a half, two hour Silent Hill short that dropped for free. Wow! So, uh, big into the those sort of games. My favorite narrative game is The Last I of Us Part game. Two. My favorite general game that I've go back to a million times. They Resident just Evil remade 4. that, or they're going to remake that? I think they just remade that, right? Yep. 
they they remade it this year and they did a great I'm job. I'm gonna have to uh, I'm gonna have to pick that up. My my gaming expertise top for especially horror games topped out in the early two thousands with Fatal Frame and The Suffering. Those are my favorite games ever in this. Fatal Frame is is I mean, there's what can you say bad about that game? It's it's you know one of the cool things I think they did is is for the sound of the game at that time they just put a microphone in an old house and just recorded it for like 24 hours. And so all of the sounds that you hear are like actual sounds a house makes. And I, it scared the crap out of me. The first two, like, absolutely. The funniest thing was my partner at the time, Joey and I were playing the game and (laughs) we're in our thirties and he cannot play with the lights off and i i just could not stop laughing at him because he would get so freaked out i was uh yeah i was talking to a buddy of mine uh he was asking me how the silent hill game was that just came out and i'm like it's really good actually i'm playing it now and he's like bro it's 12 30 you play that shit at night Uh oh that's an afternoon game for me like oh okay right (laughs) have you seen that um it's a game on pc i don't play pc games um but um, it's like if you yell, I have not you have to seen that. No. <laughs> like if I'll you scream, that you have to start again. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I watched like a YouTube video of a guy going through, and he's like, "I can't really talk because it'll <laughs> set it off." And he's like, ah! "That's <laughs> he's like, amazing." Oh, start again. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I think with. <laughs> Um, video games, right? So it's another media, right? So you, you look at movies and narration and yeah. everything else, but that's the one that really puts you into it. Um, I, I, I watched um, a trailer for an upcoming game called... Oh, geez, Way to leave us hanging. Called? Tell us all about the, how great this game is, but you can't remember the name. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Look, look up Unrecord. It... Like, just, just look it up, and it will blow your mind because it's like a, um, oh, yes, so like a cop yes, game, but it's it's that. got like the, the the camera on them, but it looks like I realistic. Heard of it that looks like real there's life. Some like controversy around it. Yeah, it's there was like some controversy around it because it looked too real. Yeah, it's like a body yeah. cam game. That's the word I was. Right then, the publishers. And said, no, look, this is actual gameplay. And, you know, you could tell us gameplay uh, with certain things, but, like, I've showed it to a couple of people, and I said, oh, look at this um, <laughs> body cam footage. And they thought it was real. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, because it looks yes. real. It looks ex- totally real. Uh, I'm currently pay- playing Robocop. <laughs> Robocop. Nice, nice. Yeah, cool. I'm going through like the Dark Pictures anthologies. They're story-driven decision. You know, take about five hours. Bites. You know, bite-sized games. Yeah, I- I've played. Um, from oh, until dawn. dawn. Oh, until dawn. Sorry. And I picked Say, up. The I haven't quarry. played that haven't one yet either. I'm yet. gonna. I'm gonna do it. Probably after you know some of the uh, these other ones. Until dawn was great though. Right, and uh, Larry Fessenden, yeah, he he wrote the first one or or some of it. Larry Fessenden's somebody who doesn't get a lot of uh, credit in the horror genre, although he's done a lot of stuff. I, I don't know Jim? that name, Mark. So, Joe, <laughs> Mark Mark likes to do this little this little bit um, 
on our podcast uh, what we've watched. So we talk about books, movies, video games, anything. Anything you want to talk about? Uh, just started talking. Uh, we just started watching. My wife and I just started watching True Detective. Um, we just watched the first two seasons. Oh, okay. And I don't know if you guys have seen that. I have not. But it's incredible. Mark? It's on HBO Max. Mark, are you a True Detective fan? I know you and your TV shows. I don't know if Mark got it. I can yeah, see but the little things. We can't hear you. With Mark, <laughs> but I, I, I can't hear him. <laughs> so Mark, but Joe, just um, you may not be familiar, but Mark does not do TV shows. He, he can't do episodic. If it's not a movie, he's probably ah. not going to watch it. There, there are a few exceptions, but for the most part, he does not do movie, uh, does not do TV shows. Season four. Uh, no, but I heard so, the... Just uh, so you're aware, Joe, George that means Paulson. that Mark got up and got a beer. That's why he didn't respond. Ah, okay. <laughs> we all... <laughs> Shuffle, man. We're very close in age, so we can give each other shit about being old. Nice. So, Joe, um, I heard you say uh, True Detective. Sorry as I was walking out. Um, are you we starting just, from... Uh, we just finished up season two not too long ago. Um, we haven't, di- we haven't uh, dove into season three yet. But uh, I, it's some of the darkest, most interesting television I think I've watched in in a while. Um, and just 10 years later still holds up, in my opinion. Mark, are you a big True Detective fan? I have not seen it. So the Matthew first one, is that the Woody Harrelson? Yeah. And Matthew McConaughey? Yeah. Now, I hear there's nudity in those, and, I, you know, I'm very pious. You are so full of shit, your eyes are brown, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I, I've heard good things about it. I'll probably get around to it. Anything else, point, Joe? So. Let's see. Uh, as far as horror, you know, I started a, I started a rewatch of the, uh, of the Conjuring series, so I'm up to, I think, Annabelle. Um, yeah, I'm watching them in order. And, uh, Mark loves Bloomhouse. I, I like, I do like them. Don't you? I do like them. Um, although, did they do the most recent uh, Exorcist movie, Believer? Uh, yes, yes, they did. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, th- that was a miss in my opinion for them. <gasps> yeah, yeah, Mark, that's a bone of contention because I was actually excited about that movie before it came out, and Mark was a hundred percent on point where he said, "Pazuzu dies tonight." <laughs> after the end of you know halloween it was um i was excited for it as well i i always give people the benefit of the doubt um because i i enjoyed all three of the halloween movies <laughs> i'm sorry oh god sorry, we have to end this podcast right now thanks joe Bye. i know i'm in the, I'm, i know i'm in the minority but i Just i enjoyed i enjoyed the heck out of them i thought they were a lot of fun um, so I had hopes for the exorcist and the exorcist was yeah, I, just a big pile of smegma. So if you ever, if you ever listen to this podcast, Joe, whenever you're bored or have nothing better to do, I would not recommend listening to us talk about mm-hmm. Halloween two or three, because the first <laughs> one was fun because we got to argue about it, but the other two, we pretty much agreed. They were, they, they were not great in our opinion. Yeah. <laughs> So, but here's the, here's the thing with Bloomhouse, right? They generally they have a good business model, because what they do is they 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 make very inexpensive movies, 
which if you get one or two hits out of five or ten, you're you're making way more money um, yeah. from the ones you've lost, right? Um, what I think their mistake is they paid four hundred million for the rights oh. for The Exorcist, and they totally screwed it up. Four hundred million oh, for the my rights. God. And like, who is excited to see the Exorcist? Well, it's Deceiver. been permanently shelved now, so nobody. nobody's going to see it. Yeah. No, 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 no. It has. No, I don't think it's being permanently shelved. I think the last thing I heard was they were still doing it, but they weren't using um, David Gordon. Oh Green no, no! When director. he stepped away from the project, they shelved it. It it now has no release date. Yeah, I can't believe if you spend four hundred million, you're going to shelve something. Uh, but <laughs> I don't know. I like, how, like, like, where do you go from there? I, yeah, I don't even I, know. You know, I had, I was excited about it because I did, um, a book celebrating 50 years of the exorcist. Uh, it was written by like, I can't remember who it was written by. And so it, they walked through all of the trials and, and tribulations and the successes and the failures mm-hmm. of everything from exorcist one, all the way through the TV series. And, touched on the new movie and so i had kind of high hopes for it and and just circling back around again joe you uh narrated i think the best i i I enjoy that one it's i think it takes a lot of people off guard because it's not what the exorcist was it's it's more of like a almost a police procedural um and you know there's and there's no exorcism in the book so I think people are like, what? <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But it's, it's in my opinion, it's it's just a better story. Jim thinks George C. Scott is not a good actor. Joe, what's your thoughts on I thought George he was C. good. I just, I don't feel like he can emote. He, he has no emotion whatsoever. What? I thought he was brilliant. I don't yeah. think, I, I don't, and I, so here's where, and here's why I think um, that character could be a, a bit divisive, um, especially in the book. He's not very, he's very thoughtful, and he doesn't emote much. It's just, it's more like a stream of consciousness. Um, and so there's not a lot of mm-hmm. emotion surrounding him, so I think it works. There's a little bit, but... You know, at least in the book, anyway. And and that's perfect because unlike in the Changeling that Mark forced me to watch, <laughs> there's no there, he he has to be he has to be very um, thoughtful and not emote because he's a detective and you have to be impartial when you investigate. No, Jim, you're wrong. Anyway, um, you're just you're just fractally wrong. No matter what, which way we look at it, you're wrong. Um, so what I would say is, um, it, you know, talking about audiobooks. So I don't know if you've listened to The Exorcist that was read by William and Peter Blatty. Um, but I thought at the start of that book, oh my God, this is going to be terrible. Because whenever he started doing Reagan, it sounded like ridiculous. But as the book went on, I'm like... No, this He's is one of the few authors, I think, that can narrate their own books. Yep, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, yeah, also, um, Clive Barker. I really enjoy his narration. I don't know if I've, read any, if I've listened to any Clive Barker books that he's narrated. Yeah, I haven't. 
Yeah, he's he, he's done the Hellbound Hellbound Heart um, on YouTube. Oh, for YouTube. Okay, because um, I was say I think Jeffrey Kafer has done Hellbound Heart. Uh, yeah, and, and that one format. that one I've heard. I have not heard the Clive Barker version. Yeah, if you look it up on YouTube, nice. he's done one. Well, that's like Neil Gaiman. He's a fantastic narrator. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's very, he absolutely he's very engaged. So we were talking earlier about how a narrator can really make or break a book, right? And I had that experience this week. Yeah, I got I got a copy of a book called Blood and Salt. Now this could have been a really fun book. It, it's about vampires being on the Titanic, right? Nice. Yeah. I, I kind of like that concept. Right, it could be like a lot of fun, but the narrator stuff. was so bad that I really wish I had just read the ebook. And I hate to say it, but I did put that on my my review of this book. I I really wish I just read the ebook because the parts of the story that I could pay attention to that I wasn't distracted by were fan were really good, but the narration just killed it. But I I so here's the thing though. I think you should like. If you have a genuine mm-hmm. like or dislike for something, and you can like yeah. write it out and say, this is what I liked or didn't like. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, and, and you know, you're, you're, you're not shitting on somebody else. You're just saying you right. didn't like it because... So like, I'll, gi- I'll give you, for instance, um, the first book I ever heard Joe narrate was called Demonic by Jeff Strand. And it was... I did uh, not. You are so full of shit, Mark. You, you are terrible. such an ass. I actually, it was funny, and it was just, it was a fun, quick listen. I loved it. You know, and is what's interesting is I've gotten reviews on that book that is like, this guy should never narrate another book again. So, like, I sounded bored and things like that. So, yeah, well, not everybody can be right, Joe. I, I know, I know. <laughs> but but I think like a narrator is such a specific like dislike you're okay with um, compared to I don't I don't think there's like other than just the the material itself um, you don't get that with a I mean if you watch a movie you have direction director photography lighting actors. You have everything going in there, right? Yep. So some could well, be like, some So I'll good. give you, for instance, another for instance. I have, um, there's a series of books that I like that is narrated by a specific narrator that's fantastic. And I'm not going to name names or anything, but I've listened to, to the same narrator in other books, and he just doesn't grab me the way he does when he does. But is, that, is that the material? I, I don't know. Or is that the I, I can honestly, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but when I listen to him do the one specific series, it's fantastic. When I hear other things, it just, it, it's not the same. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say that's like, it's Joe, I've not heard any books that you've narrated yet that I have not enjoyed. And there's another narrator named Chris Barnes, that. who I've also enjoyed the few books that I've heard him read in different genres. Chris Barnes is a good friend of mine. Is he? He he's fantastic too. Like um, the Highmore series was my introduction to Chris Barnes, and I thought that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I thought he did a great job. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, we we both started, I think, right around the same time. Okay. Um. And and yeah, we just you know, yeah, he's he's a uh, he's he's a friend of mine. Nice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, 
it's one of the things about audiobook narrating. You can have like people have very specific mm-hmm. tastes. Sometimes just the sound of the person's voice doesn't jive with them. Um, yep. And you know that's and that's okay. Uh, the only thing that I will say specifically is that if anybody wants to try their hand at narrating, you can out act bad tech, but you can't out tech bad acting. And so the most important thing you can do is take acting classes and learn how to connect on a deep level with the author's truth mm-hmm. and do script breakdowns and things like that. Those are the most important things in narrating an audiobook. Um, it's definitely, you're not just reading into a microphone. Right. And that's, that's one thing that, that, I, I know I personally could never do it <laughs> because I'm not that talented. Um, I try not to give the narrators of the audiobook uh, a ration of shit because I don't like their performance because I know I, I have a, a decent understanding, I think anyway, of how difficult it is. So Jim, Jim, that's a great segue. So Joe, you write a book. You must have either me or Jim, oh, he's a narrator. Christ. You must so, pick now. The style of book that I would write is a dual narration, and I'd hire you both. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. You could have said Jim. I wouldn't be like like I would totally. Um, Although Joe, <laughs> I, I do have to say that if I, I do have to say that if we got Mark drunk, you'd probably enjoy his narration much better. His his Irish comes out. Yeah, I was going to say, do you know where I'm from, Joe? Can you I, tell from I my cannot. accent? I am I'm horrible from? at that. Yeah, I'm actually Northern from Northern Ireland. Ireland. Okay. okay, I will give you a list of books to not listen to where I that I've narrated. So <laughs> that has had an <laughs> Irish accent done very, very fucking badly. <laughs> oh, I, I, and there's a difference between Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland, right? Yep, yep. So Northern yep. Ireland, we talk like that, very low, and then talking about is the Irish. I used to work in professional <laughs> wrestling, so anytime I need to brush up on my Irish, I listen to Finn Balor or Becky Lynch for like. No, you did yes, not did. work in professional wrestling because I looked up your name. And I, the first thing that came up was <laughs> professional wrestler. And I'm like, yes, oh my God, that's not the same person. That's obviously nope, that somebody me. with the same name. I worked name. for the Heartland Wrestling Association for 10 years. They were a developmental territory for WCW and uh, then WWF when they, uh, when they bought them. Um, I was, uh, you know, I did production. I was a referee. Um you know, you can even see me in the background holding a camera on some of the documentaries on the WWE Network for like Dean Ambrose and Nigel McGuinness. You know, <laughs> wow, that that is so funny because, like I said, like I, I wanted to look you up to see what narration yeah. you've done, um, and that was the first thing that's that came so up was that's so uh, weird. wrestling. I'm like, okay, that's, that's so not weird. him. Yeah. That's yeah. not him, right? That's somebody with this name because. No way could a wrestler be Why? a narrator, Why? right? It's all theater. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just saying that I thought it was like just like a different person with the same <laughs> nope, name. Was me. Mark, that's that's was very me. that's very it rude of you. That's like that's like saying people from Ireland I, can't I, I, drive because all they're going to do is buy a car. I'm pretty bigoted. You know what? Nothing beats the Attitude Era in. Uh, have you have you gone back and watched it recently? Love that. It doesn't hold up. I have the box. I have the box set of it, and it's so, just great. I just love. It. Yeah. I just love the characters in it. It's like Kurt Angle and Booker T and The Rock <laughs> yeah, and everything. Yeah. And the writing was great on point. And then we have the uh, sexual deviant. Uh, so, Vince I, oh yeah. <laughs> this, this probably should have been clue number one, but I did not enjoy professional wrestling as a child. I did, however, enjoy in the late '80s and early '90s when Glow came out. Glow, gorgeous ladies when of wrestling. What came out. So you like? Hang on, Jim. You like the the women wrestlers, but not the muscular man. That, that's correct. Wrestlers. And you know what it is? Is because there were two. There were two characters that were sisters: Mountain Fuji and Little Fuji. And little Fuji was always getting beaten up, and I would cry as I watched because they were picking on her so much. But that was last <laughs> week you, you told me about that. Yeah, last week. <laughs> that sh- that should have been clue number one, but it, it was not. So 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 you know you know my uh, so so uh, Joe, um, I okay. live in the Tampa Bay area, right? Yeah. So it's, it's a big wrestling thing. Living Clearwater, Hulk yep. Hogan, and stuff down I've, here. I've, Met him on several occasions. My wife, who's a teacher, yeah, one of her students is the son of one of the micro wrestlers that are on like the Hulk Hogan circuit. I've met most of them on at a previous job. You met yes. most of the yeah, micro wrestlers on the, on the ship when I worked on the casino ship. There's a um, there's a show on Discovery Channel right now called. Um, I think it's it's like Little Big Brawlers or something like that, and it's about micro wrestling. Um, and one of the guys who trained me and how to be a referee and stuff like that, uh, Cody Hawk is the trainer for them, and you can see, like, you can see him on on that TV show, you know, and he's doing a great thing with that. I I feel like we've talked and, and and you know really enjoyed ourselves about the horror narration but i feel we've really bonded I, I over think the so. wrestling i think so i mean it's anytime yeah you talk about you know sticking your head between legs i i'm gonna have to give you might Jim have to do what now mark the next time i meet him. <laughs> what pedigree give you the pedigree <laughs> oh for fuck's sake Jim. <laughs> It doesn't matter what you're thinking. Oh, you fucking jabroni. <laughs> Joe, yeah, I believe last matter. weekend you were, exactly. you were watching sports, right? So we, we uh, had to, yes. re- we, we couldn't schedule. <laughs> look, yes. look at the way Jim spits out the word sports. No, I, yes. I, I hear you were watching did did your favorite team win? Sports uh, my favorite team weekend. was not even in the playoffs so um my i'm from cincinnati uh i live in texas now but i'm from cincinnati and um 
yeah, they uh, they did not make it. So you're a Bengals fan. I am a Bengals fan. Um, <laughs> but I will say, um, the Chiefs won. Um, the Chiefs won. I, I wanted the Chiefs to win. I wanted Detroit to win. Um, so I, you know, fifty fifty. You do, you just. I will have you know that as a child in elementary school, I did the Super Bowl shuffle, so I do know a little <laughs> bit about sports. <laughs> Uh, uh. Um, uh, oh, uh, okay, <laughs> congratulations. You see what happened, Joe, Joe? Are you having a any drink tonight? Because I I always uh-huh. have to whenever Jim's I, I'm not a big sports fan. However, oh, for about God. ten years, I did have a Super Bowl party every year, but we usually wound up playing Monopoly. Tell me your <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm putting a hotel on uh, your square. Mark. Okay, okay. That, that's good. I want to make I want to make I want to make, oh, make a comment, but I can't because the minute I do, yeah, I apologize. Say this it, is and I don't want to bring it up. No, 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 no. We're gonna no, skip no, no, over no, no, that. Ahead, we'll bring please. it up later. Please. Mark. Mark likes to uh, to investigate okay. my childhood trauma, Joe, and we're just not gonna bring that up. So, 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 Joe, this is a horror movie uh, podcast, but it also is a pseudo Jim's um, childhood trauma podcast. No, we and don't. We like to come both on here. <laughs> it's good. Joe, have you, ever seen, have you ever seen the movie? Oh, God, the here it comes. So, I told you, Joe. It's coming. I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, Barbara Hershey. Yep. With Hershey. Okay. So Jim, because why don't you, why Mark, don't you run uh, down? Joe has to leave about? in about ten minutes, so let's let's move on. Th- that Joe, is, is that, that is actually true. Yeah. <laughs> so let's skip oh. we'll we'll save that for another time. <laughs> th- thank you, Joe, for that exit. I appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, don't, Look, don't, there can always yeah, be. I'll, I'll, fill you, I'll fill you in. I don't get it. I'll fill you in on Facebook. Don't worry. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's, that's what she said. So anyway, Joe, I do want to thank you very much for coming on. I, I you have no idea how excited you saying yes to being on the podcast made me. I I enjoyed the heck out of it. I you know you guys were <laughs> absolute pleasure. Um, and I I hope uh, you know down the line we do this again sometime. Uh, you know, I just you, love being part of it. You are welcome back anytime you'd like to come on. You just let me know. Sounds good, and then we'll we'll di- we'll dive <laughs> into the entity. Yeah, yeah we'll, exactly. We'll open we'll, with that. We'll... Yeah. So so here's the thing, Joe. Here's the, here's the thing, Joe. We have had mm-hmm. because Jim's invited mm-hmm. a lot of authors on. It would be great to have like. A whole ensemble of all the authors and you on, and um, maybe just talk yeah. over the whole process again, and um, <laughs> maybe might get know, some work may, from it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. I'm just saying. Um, yeah. I'm just saying. You never know. So, hey, anytime, you. you know, anytime you want to narrate a perspective on the whole process, you know, let me know. I, I, you know, I get it from multiple different viewpoints. Um, so, 
you know, I'm happy to talk about everything. Well, well, maybe maybe we should keep it for narrator yeah, con. Yeah, yeah. So just let me know the dates of that, Jim, and um, let me know when I need to fly, fly <laughs> down, and I'll I'll go ahead and send you the bill. Yeah, yep. we'll do. We'll do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's the second. Yeah. It'll be the second Tuesday of next week, folks. <laughs> it actually, is a good idea. It is. I, I don't. I don't really disagree. Is. I just don't have the money to fund it, Mark. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Okay, right. Joe. Um, we will let you go, Joe. Um, since you know, um, and um, anytime. I appreciate you guys. Welcome back. Anytime. Thank you so much for having we me on. Th- that was fun. That was fun, Mark. So, Jim. I'm. Yep. I, I know, and I, I sort of, of questions, I, so. I bulldozed over you for a lot of that, and that's okay. But I, I, I'm gonna say that is, I, I had so um, much fun talking to him. That was awesome. Let's get, let's get back to what you've watched. Let, lay this shit on me. Okay. So what I've watched, I've got a weird, mix, a weird of mix of things, things that I've watched. Two things yeah. with Barbara Crampton. I'm sorry, you, you know have cramps. What? Jim? I do, I do. do you know but I probably do not know is? her from where you think I know her from. So I'm Beyond the uh, Gates. You probably know her from, like, soap operas. Um, no. Okay, that's not a soap opera. Uh, never, <laughs> you've never no. seen Reanimator? I mean, I may have seen From, from Beyond, Beyond, because I remember the, the cover box for it, but Perfect. never seen Reanimator. Or Bride of Reanimator. I've never seen well, either one of them, so it doesn't matter. Um, I've watched mm-hmm. two Italian movies. Uh, two movies from the 80s, which I haven't seen since the 80s, and I had to mm-hmm. buy them because they were never on any streaming site. And one 70s crime thriller. It's a Donald Duck one again, isn't it? No. Okay, so uh, first off, uh, we are still here. I have not. I've passed it by several times. Yeah. Love that movie. Uh, Barbara Mm -hmm. Crampton, Larry Fessenden. Um, This is a haunted house slash Fulci type movie. Um, Bit of a slow burn and then a crazy ending. Um, and I really love okay. basically everything about this movie. Okay. It's a five out of five for me. Um, if you like atmospheric, it's not ghost atmospheric stories, like the Changeling, right? Um, well, whichever sort of thing that you need to fit in your so, hand. Um, that so, you to me, watch. atmospheric would be something like The Others or Winchester House, where they they built up the tension, but there's not a huge payoff. You know what I mean? Yes. No, no, I, I don't disagree, no, but I'm just saying the tension building is really the crux of the film. Like, that that's what's good about the film in both of those films. It's oh. they, they do a great job in building the tension and the dread. So as long as there's that and not something like the changeling, which just falls flat um, throughout the whole thing. Well, I, I mean, that, that's I know, a bad and that's thing why to bring I brought up because I love the changelings. So. Because you also love this film and that makes me nervous. Right. 
Right, I but did. you also brought up other yes. movies that you like. I want you to compare so, it to the two so movies that I to, like uh, versus comparing it to the movie you like. They, they, it's exactly like the two movies that you like. <laughs> You're so foolish. So you should watch it. I know. I don't. I don't disagree. I would. I, no, will, tr- I will check it, it out. It's, but it's I just great. It's from 2015. It's really good. This was kind of the start of the Barbara Crampton renaissance. Um, she kind of left acting for yeah, and I already, maybe I already 20, know the... 30 years. Um, after we animated her from beyond yep, Chopping now Mall. Now I've seen Chopping Mall. Um, she was in a lot of like uh, Castle Freak. Um, she was in a lot of stuff. And again, she's yep. been sipping on that reanimator juice because... She's, I think, yep, and she looks fantastic. Almost seventy, and she still looks like she. I already know the next like movie you're going to say you 30s. watched with her in it. Suitable flesh. Okay, which is. I have not. Correct. Have you seen it? So, suitable flesh is an mm-hmm. H.P. Lovecraft adaptation um, of the thing on the doorstep. Which is sort of, kind of, not of, sort of. So there's there's a lot of kind of sort of in there, even though we wrote. Right, because there's some Lovecraft stories that are very famous where you have an older mm-hmm. dead relative possessing somebody right. in that current day. Um, but this one is more about kind of body hopping, which is more mm-hmm. like fallen. Um, so here's the thing. Um, Barbara Six, Crampton, she's again, which is nearly Stop 70. She's near the we 70. have Heather. Yeah, but she is beautiful and she looks fantastic. But that's hyperbole yeah. because how good she looks, right? Um, yep. And you have Heather yep. Graham, who is, she, is, is she really? fifties. I, yeah, I don't know like that I believe that. Fifty-five, fifty-six. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to look this up. So, so continue, you can, please. Uh, you can... Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Please, please look it up, and then we can. Wow, she's fifty-four years old. Wow, she's she, God. Yeah. They both look fantastic. I, I never I never would have pictured her I, I never would have guessed her age ever. So what yeah. I um this was directed by Joe Lynch and I like a lot of Joe Lynch movies. What I love, right? Um just as like yeah. it's kind oh, of see, like I love Bubba Bubba Hotel, Hotel. in a way. I, I I I'm not a huge fan of it, but what I like is a horror movie where it's not like mm-hmm. mid twenties or twenty year olds, um, you know, WB right. looking, blah 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 blah, um, and especially for this movie, you have two older mm-hmm. actresses, which right. is even more rare. Yes, um, driving this movie, and everybody else is the side character. Um. But this movie started off with a bang. It was mm-hmm. very much like From Beyond at the start or um, some of the other Lovecraft, Stuart mm-hmm. Gordon movies, even Reanimator. 
Uh, the middle section just okay. got very dull. Okay. And then the so end was very good. How many how many knives uh, are you giving it? I rated this so six a six out of ten. Okay. Right, but I I, I wanted right. to love it more than I actually did, which is a shame. Because, you know, there, yeah, but course. there's also that weight of expectation. Um, but I definitely think it's worth it watching. Um, yeah, it's on one of the yeah, streaming services. Yeah, it's on Shudder. Yeah. Uh, and again, it's another Lovecraft mm -hmm. adaptation with Barbara Crampton in it. Um, but I don't think it's one of the better Lovecraft stories. Um, I think it's more of a basic Lovecraft story than more of their... Oh, look at this thing that we've right. never seen before. We're all going insane. <laughs> there is some of that. <laughs> but it's, it's more of this internal right. body hopping possession sort of thing. Um, which, you know, in a way, I, I really like when actors have to play mm -hmm. another character. Um, so, you know, you're this character this time. Now you're possessed and you're acting like this character. Right. And now that jumps to somebody else. Um, but overall, okay, that's I was a little disappointed. Okay, so the first of my mm -hmm. uh, Blu-ray purchases, it's 1987's uh, The I, Kindred. I Jim. know I've seen it, but it's been probably 20 or 30 years. Right, right because it's not on any streaming site, I yep. don't think. So I had to buy the Blu-ray, and yep. this is a great creature feature. With Amanda Pays in it, mm -hmm. um, who was in Leviathan as well. Um, and it's just a lot of gooey fun. Um, what's his name is in it, too? Uh, the older I don't know, what's his name? Guy. What's his name? Uh, oh, really? Okay. Rod Steiger. Oh, do you know who Amanda Pays is married to? Um, Amanda Pays' husband. Because I was just looking her up. I'm like, I wonder what she's doing right now. Uh, and oh, oh it's, really? Huh. Uh, Corbin Burns. They've been together a long time. Um, who, who, all, who also love I love Bernstein? from the dentist. Uh, people no, who just don't stupid. like Corbin Burnson. Yep. Okay, so the kindred, great. Okay. All right. So I have a question for you, Jim. You are the guru <laughs> of Italian <laughs> horror. So can you please explain to the audience. Um, the zombie movies and how they're numbered and what I have no fucking who did them. So so we're on a yeah. horror movies and shit podcast. It's right? not an Italian horror movies and shit podcast. And you've no idea. Okay, but it's no. not just American, right? I mean, we do have we do have an international audience. Okay. so... so is it world it's horror? It's world horror. So horror? I expect you... 
Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So I expect you, I expect you to have basic knowledge about the numeration well, there's of zombie, zombie one, two, movies and three. in Italian cinema. Oh, well then that's not true. <laughs> okay, so he, here's what did you the just dealio. say? So Don, you have never sounded more like a boomer than when you uttered that sentence, sir. <laughs> I don't know what a boomer is. Um, so we have yeah George A. Romero. Yes. Who released Dawn of the Dead. In Italy, it was titled... I did not know that, okay. Quote, unquote, zombie. So, um, Italy, in the 80s, despite doing uh-huh. a lot of original, yeah. like, cannibal stuff and giallo, um, yeah. one of their main uh, focuses was to try and rip off popular American movies. Correct. So we have zombie, right? Okay, so everyone in Italy is going to watch Dawn of the Dead. It's called Zombie. Lucio Fulci then made what was um, titled in Italy as Zombie 2, which is more known in the U.S. now as Zombie, but also known in the U.K. as Zombie Flesh Eaters. But really, what it was trying to do was to take, hey, Dawn of the Dead is zombie, here's Zombie 2. And Zombie is uh, one of his most celebrated movies. Or Zombie Flesh. Right, but it's also called Zombie. Or Zombie Flesh. Right. So we have Zombie, which is Dawn of the Dead. Zombie, in parenthesis, 2. So is is Zombie 3, Zombie 2? Or is Zombie 3 Return of the Living Dead? So Zombie zombie 3 came out in 1988. And it was partially filmed by Fulci. uh, But he had to leave due to medical conditions. So uh, the second director, Bruno Mattai, took over a lot of the direction. Also... Claudio Fergasso um, okay. did some of the direction after he left. Claudio Fergasso, you would best know as the director of which best worst movie? No idea. Really? Same guy, huh? Troll 2. No bog. Yep. Um, I actually think a I actually think like a lot of it was filmed by Claudio Fergasso because there's a lot of fog machines Is... and he's known for fog But Zombie 3, okay, I haven't seen this before. Is there a um, lot of green goo? I really like it. Yeah? It, it's a lot of fun. There's, like, literally, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, with Italian horror, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know I showed you a couple of them, um, some of them you just have to get into that vibe. It's like you turn your mind off, and mm-hmm. it's just like crazy stuff mm-hmm. happening on screen. Zombie three. So then mm-hmm. I also watched Zombie four, which was directed by Bruno Mattai. Oh, sorry, this one was directed by Claudio Forgrasso in 1990, 
But it's also known as After Death and not okay. Zombie 4. So it can be Zombie you know, 4 or it can be After I now Death. know why I don't enjoy this one Italian was... horror. This is so fucking complicated. <laughs> I, I, I've i lost mm-hmm. all interest in this. There's a Zombie 5 after this. Or there may not be a Zombie 5 after this. Um, but After Death was not as good or Troll as two. Uh, Zombie 3. Because you said Claudio Fragasso, uh, right? Uh, yeah. Um, so they had some ideas about what <laughs> what was supposed to happen in Zombie 3. And again, uh, Fulci, it was filmed in the Philippines. He had some sort of medical issue. Right. He had to leave halfway through. But he kind of disowned the movie apart from like this one scene. So this is kind of, again, just another zombie movie set in okay, like a jungle area. The one scene he was super proud of, a guy opens a fridge and there's a zombie head and it flies okay. out and bites this guy. That sounds... But that that's sounds a lot that's like That's the sort of suit. movie you're getting. That is great. With the flying head. It, it is right yeah but zombie 3 is a lot of fun it was more fun i was you know whenever i went to watch it i'm like oh this is going to mm-hmm. be probably crap it's really good i really enjoyed it zombie 4 not so much is all right uh okay mm-hmm. so the other 80s movie which i had to buy on oh Blu-ray, wait i thought that was zombie 3 anywhere. Oh, Jesus Christ. No. So, Zombie 3 and After Death, Zombie 4 were the two Italian movies. So, The Kindred and this were, like, the memories of my 80s movies, which I haven't seen since the 80s. And this is the Dennis Lipscomb classic. I don't know that one. Retribution. Have you seen it? So, Retribution. Yeah, again, because it's not on streaming. You can't find it anywhere. Um, I remember loving this uh, back in the day. On a rewatch, it's a little milder than I thought it would be. Um, There was more deaths in it. Um, But again, memories, a weird thing. Uh, But we have a guy who uh, is an artist who is depressed, and he goes to kill himself. He jumps off a building. At the very same time, um, mm-hmm. a mafia guy is getting killed, and the souls kind of swap, and the artist guy lives, but he's also possessed by the guy okay. of this, like this mafia guy. And the, the mafia guy kind of possesses him mm-hmm. during um, different parts of it to go mm-hmm. after um, the people that killed him. Um, using kind of supernaturally right. type carry type stuff. Um, I totally forgot well, Suzanne Snyder was in this. I do. Do you know who Suzanne Snyder is? Okay. Yeah, I totally forgot she was in this. Um, and although it didn't live up to my mm-hmm. expectations of what I remember, yeah. it's still re- really good. 
And finally, I told you I watched the movie with we both, uh, we Jerry talked about that, Stiller. Which is going to come up on my What You Watched. Right. So I watched a 1974 mm-hmm. movie with Jerry Stiller in it. I don't know. What is it? It's a crime drama. And they remade it with Denzel Washington and John Travolta, about... oh, I no, think. It's not Training Day, then. I don't know. No, it's a, t- oh, it's a taking oh, yeah. of Pelham 1, one. 2, 3. Mm-hmm. So this had Robert Shaw from Jaws um, as one of four guys who um, take over a subway car okay. in New York in the 70s. And they're basically like, give us, <laughs> you, know, you go back in time. Right. It's worth a lot more than, um, hey, city of New York, give us $1 million dollars. Or we'll kill the 14 people that we have hostage. This is a very strange one to me. Um, Like, whenever you think about 70s crime drama, you think about, like, maybe Mean Streets or Mm -hmm. Dog Day Afternoon or something like this. But this has a real, like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. New York humor to it. I I don't know what else to say. Like, Taxi Drive, like... Like, think about New York in movies, like uh, 54th Street or whatever, in the 70s, right? And so they have Walter Matthau as the kind of, like, cop lieutenant of the subway. But he's trying to save these people. But the other guys in there who are just trying to run the trains and stuff, they're all like... Hey, they paid their 50 cents. If they're going to die, they're going to die. Who, what, whatever. It's, it's just like very New Yorkian uh, of that time. I don't give a fuck. Whatever. Right. Just get the trains running back in time. <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a strange, like, okay, Walter Matthau cares, and the mayor is sick, and he doesn't really care. He's just like, well, whatever. Okay. <laughs> it's just like, I, I mean, it's a good movie, but um, it, it's it's very different. Like I'll have to watch the uh, remake. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's a very different tone. Um, but like even Robert Shaw and stuff is very very strange. Like they have like the four gunmen that are um, holding up the train, and they're all dressed identically because mm-hmm. they want to do this like escape. But even, like, the ending is very strange as far as how they get them or don't get them. Um, it sounds... It. It's just a very odd movie. But it's it, it's got, like, you know, eight, 8 out of 10 yeah. on my IMDb or whatever. And I it, it's right. maybe because it's, like, a time capsule um, of New York at that time. Like I said, like, <laughs> Taxi Driver or whatever. <laughs> it's just, like... Holy shit, these right. people thinking of a shit about other people. Um, and apart from playing Robocop... Okay, so I, I texted you about a movie this weekend, Mark. Do you, or this week, do you remember? And I said, I've never seen yes. a movie, let alone a horror movie, but given after I watched it, the tone, which was all over the fucking place, um, it was supposed to be a horror comedy. Um... 
So seeing Jerry mm-hmm. Stiller and Ben Stiller in a movie together wasn't that odd. The fact that they're both playing bit parts in this movie was a little odd to me. Like, I don't. But how, how, he was how very old young. was Ben this movie Stiller came out. in this? I don't he know. He must to be have been a teenager, honest. right? Or early 20s or for sure. Early 20s? Um, let's see. I'll tell you when the movie came out. All right. It was 1991. Well, if it's Lita Ford, it's probably mid-80s. Yeah, it was 1991. Lita Lita Ford was in it, which shocked the hell out of me, um, to be perfectly honest. Um, But it stars, uh, well, who cares about Patrick Bergen? Uh, It stars Chad Lowe and Christy Swanson. It is a movie called Highway to Hell. Mm -hmm. Now, Mark, I bet you didn't know this, but hell is actually just the desert in Arizona. Did you? Well, I, I was surprised. I, I did. I was not aware. Yep. Clearly, right? Well, I, I did not know that because surprised. maybe because I, I always... haven't visited it yet. Uh, but anyway, so <laughs> this movie was terrible. the The acting's terrible. The writing's terrible. The the slapstick comedy is terrible. Ben Stiller and Jerry Stiller's performances are terrible. But it's terrible. So you can't turn it off. It's just that terrible. It's not at all, so but is it's it like enjoyable? a train You can't... It is not. It, it's one of those things you can't stop Jim, watching it. it. You have to watch it all the way through at least once, and then you'll never let it get more than five minutes past your, your eyeballs again. I'm surprised you haven't watched uh, Boneyard. So that... Since that pretty Phyllis, much is, is. with other than that we watched the new wonka with timothy chalamet it was okay um oh, yeah, was i that? was i didn't realize it was going to be a musical but apparently i didn't know um you didn't of, of course i have have you seen the the, the original one yeah so is this a yep. musical not like all the time not all, but they do break into song randomly oh. Oh, okay. No, not so at all. Not, no, no, no. That's more of an like opera. That's called an operetta, which is where there's still some spoken word. Oh, fuck you. I'm not gay. I don't know. So I have several audiobooks I want to talk about. And the first thing I want to talk about, sir, is I owe an author an apology. And I've already apologized to him one-on-one and on TikTok. But I have actively avoided his work because I thought it was going to be extreme horror. So I don't why, know. Why I have no idea that, where I got that impression or why I got that impression. But I finally bit the bullet and I looked. At... Holy shit. Interesting. I'm sorry. I, I I was looking something up about this book, and I just found a brand new copy of the paperback for one thousand four hundred and thirty-seven dollars on Amazon. Yeah, but that's not unusual. A thousand dollars for a novella in paperback? That's not unusual. No, I just mean people will. Yeah. Come up with whatever so, price they um, want. 
Right. So this book was fantastic. <laughs> so let me start that off. The book is called The House on Harlan Street. Um, okay. This is about a a family, uh, a guy named Alex who moves his wife and kids to this house uh, on Harlan Street. And all of a sudden, this weird these weird things start to happen. They start seeing these weird creatures. They start hearing weird things. And then they find this door, right? And they so they start to investigate. And that's all I'm going to say because I'd have to get too much into it. But this this book has the ending you would love. Has an ending you would love. It's well, it's very it's it's pretty bleak the ending of this book i i it doesn't like uh, you can't have every like like not every ending no no I but like i'm saying you would i think you would enjoy the ending, ending of this book you probably would see it coming and it would be fulfilling to you so i i really think it's something you Maybe. should check out um i personally really really enjoyed it so, sure. Okay. Um, give me one second. Um, I'll be back. It won't be as long as last time. <laughs> shake, 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 Sonora. Okay. Okay. Sorry. So, yes. I don't. Did I mention the the author's name of that book? Okay. The author's name is Mike Salt. No. And the the house on Harlan is a Linkville uh, a Linkville horror. So he's got this this series that takes place in the same area, sort of like his dairy, Maine. Um, I'm now. I just started Hollow, which is another one in that series. They're not connected. Like, they, they take place in the same geographical area. That's it. They're not connected stories. But I did want to talk to you about a book by Tim Meyer called Lacuna Point. Lacuna's Point. I cannot say enough good shit about this book. I just finished it today. So Lacuna's Point is, it basically starts out as um, parents looking for their missing daughters, right? These two girls... Um, go to this place in Virginia called Lacuna's Point, and they disappear. Three years later, the... Sounds, sounds like the start of um, The Exorcist. Um, but, so the girls go missing. <laughs> Three years later, both of their parents get pictures of their daughters in front of this clock tower. And it says, come find me. So they go to investigate, and that's what the story's about. They The, um, the mother and... One, the mother of one of the girls and the father of the other girl go to Lacuna's Point to find the their girls. Um, and as they're driving, nobody knows where this place is. Nobody's ever heard of it. They don't know what's going on. 
a little like bit, Silent but it gets Hill. a lot more cosmic than Silent Hill, in my opinion. It it turns out to almost be like an eldritch horror at the end. Are are you saying it's like a love? Yeah, kind of not really. I mean, it it sort of is, but there's no water. They're not near water, like they're not near the beach. Um, and a lot of a lot of Lovecraft stuff takes place near the beach, near the water. Nah, but anyway, so it it does get it does get a little eldritchy. Um, but the from the narration, uh, I think it was narrated by a name a guy named Joe Jones. I need to look that up. Hang on, so to get that right. Uh, Kuna's Tamir Amazon Darklit Press performed by Joe James. Joe James, fantastic narrator. Like this audiobook, from the story to the performance of the narrator, could not have been more on point. It's definitely one that somebody that you guys got to check out. It's fantastic. And it, it basically explores how far are you willing to go? And I don't want to spoil anything, but how far are you willing to go to spend time with somebody that you love that has gone missing? Like, how far would you go? Uh, I don't mean that. Walk? I don't mean that proverbially or literally. I, I mean, I don't mean that literally. Like, you're not walking around the block to spend time how, how what are you willing to do to spend time with the person that has that has been missing for 3 years or your child right so if 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 you, um, one of your kids went missing for 3 years and you could have them back how far would you go um maybe sell my playstation phone. anyway I don't that's know. that's that's the point of that story so bite me <laughs> um that's it for that one. Let me look at my other library. One second. So I don't remember if I talked about <laughs> these two books last time. Did I talk to you about the Mobius door? Okay. So the Mobius door. No. Fantastic audiobook by uh, Andrew Najberg. Right. Never read anything by him before. This was the first book that I read. It's uh, God. I'm going to butcher this guy's name. It's narrated by Brian Telestai. I think is how you pronounce his last name. I apologize if I butchered it. Again, another cosmic horror. It's it, it was done. The, the narration was perfect. The story was solid. And it's again, how far would you go to protect your family? Would you sacrifice the world to protect just your family? Right? Well, maybe my place. <laughs> um, I then went to an absurdist horror by uh, Ben Farthing called I Found a... I found puppets living in my apartment walls. This follows two cousins as they're trying to clean out their grandfather's apartment because he's been missing for a year. And wh while they're cleaning out the apartment, they find this hole in the wall and weird shit starts to happen. This was a fun, quick read. There there's nothing new or exciting in it, but it was done well, the story's solid, and it was fun, if you just need something to listen to. So, so when you say absurdist, so, what does that mean? There's a lot of absurd things that happen in this book. Like, how menacing are puppets? So the grandfather works uh, used to work on a kid's show. So it, in a sense, yes. Play absurdist? 
It's a three-foot-tall fucking doll. You could just punt the goddamn thing. But he's killed how many people? It has to be a bit absurdist. So, what sort of height does something have to be? Uh, to at be least uh, above my knee. So, like, leprechaun. No, that's more fantasy horror. Um, Cujo no, that's realism. Is on absurdist. Have you ever been next to a St. Bernard? They are, they are much taller uh, than you need. They're about waist height, sir. No, I, I know. I'm just trying to get the height thing here. Right? Because the St. Bernard right. is not the same height as a person. So. I already told I'm, you. I'm above just wondering my where the cutoff is between the person. Yes. Above your knee. So a gremlin absurdist. or a, a horde of gremlins yes. is absurdist. Like Cujo would not have been as intense had it been a fucking chihuahua. Right? But chihuahua with rabies. If they yeah, but all you have to do is kick it rabies. and it's gone. <laughs> so right, but you they have vaccines rabies. for that. Yeah. What about Slither? I'm, I'm not talking about snakes. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah. I don't care what They're they are. Snakes. They have slither. no feet and they move with just a muscle and it's disgusting. Yeah. Right, no. but they're small. No, no, no. I, I, I'm just trying to find your body. No, 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 So a no. snake. I'm not talking is, about snakes. Is, nope, is nope, nope. So, yeah. so if you had a snake that went down your yeah. throat where you're tonight, right? And just like laid eggs in your chest. You're disgusting. Shut up, Mark. Shut up. Okay. So the next book, that's, that's, the next book, a, um, is called The Night Howlers. I did not know this was part of a series. It's by uh, European P. Douglas. I, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. I'm going to spell you the, his first name. Yes, E U R O P E A N. How would you pronounce that, Mark? Uh huh. P yeah, Douglas is the gentleman's name. I I did not know that this was a series, so I'll have to go okay. back and read the first book. I I mean, so I take that back. I did sort of suspect it was a series, but I didn't know that going into the book because it references a lot of stuff that happened in the past. So this book called The Night Howlers is about um. No. Sentient scarecrows. Werewolves. And they... So, so, like so a, not really, because what they do... They, the reason they call them the Night Howlers is because when they built these scarecrows that used to watch over this town, they put these this apparatus inside them, like some sort of metal thing, so that it, it made a noise that would scare the crows, rather than just the hay and, and the person up there. Right. So when the wind would blow, it would sound like a howl. Yes. So they call them the Night Howlers. Uh-huh. So, this was a solid story. I enjoyed the story. I, I mean, uh, uh, I'm not going to ruin the story, sentient? Mark. Yes, it would. Well, is that ruining it? It is not, no. Is it witchcraft? No. Is it magic? No. Is it aliens? Is it... Uh... Yes. 
something else. <laughs> okay. I yeah, don't know. So I, I, um, that, so. I should I should point out though that it's so. The scarecrows don't really become sentient, right? They. The, I did not lie. Oh, so you just the lied creatures? No, no. So no. If you would let me finish, and, and you would shut up, they're Mark. not sentient. Shut up and listen to me. So which one so, is it? Are they sentient? Yes or no? The scarecrows have been removed, and now something resembling those scarecrows what? is tormenting the town. Okay, so the senti the the scarecrows did not become sentient. It's something else it's that some that is entity. taking on the form of the scarecrows. Correct. Right. So it's not the scarecrows. Okay. So so whenever I asked you, did the scarecrows become sentient? Your the correct answer was. I'm not be, arguing semantics, Mark. No. It is semantics. But anyway, again, semantics. it was a solid story. It, the narrator was great. Um, I, I didn't... It didn't excite me the way uh, Lakina's point did, but it was it was a solid read. And I, I think the, the bit of a disconnect that I did feel with it was because I didn't read the first book. Possibly. Um, have you ever seen the 19... I think it's 80... Eight? I don't think Maybe so. Scarecrows? Do they become sentient? You watch it. It's really good. Um, All right. Um, that's that's my question. Or not, so, question. can I say that's one of the words that really bothers me is when people say sentient. And I don't know if it's because I've been mispronouncing it for many, many years. It's Thank you. But everybody now says sentient. Well, people spell um, loser yes, yes, like looser online. But I'm just saying so. it, it, that's one well, that's one of those words that gets me, and I I don't know if it's I like I maybe I've been saying it wrong for 25 years. No, I, as an expert on the thank English you. language, thank you for thank you for uh, confirming my. You're welcome. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> well. I'm going to go get some cool whip to celebrate. Mark, you have anything else you want to talk about? Um, I really enjoyed it today, Mark. I Thank you so, so much. 